We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 178 On this episode, we've got a few news items And then we'll be talking about recent episodes of The Americans The Vampire Diaries, Hannibal, Grimm, and Doctor Who Plus a few TV on DVD picks you can find the full show notes with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 178. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Hi, I'm Kate Kulzik, TV editor for soundonsite.org. Hi, I'm Libya from TV Campfire and Weednopolis. All right, well, thank you both for uh, joining me on the podcast this week. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, so... With that, Libya, this is your first uh, time on the podcast, so we always ask the first-time guests uh, to give us a little background about them, like what show or shows originally got you hooked as a TV fan, and uh, ultimately, how did you end up uh, getting into podcasting about TV? Well, uh, my when I was wee little, meaning actually really wee little, I got hooked on Star Trek reruns, and I became obsessed with it. Is actually kind of frightening. I, I choose not to talk about it too much, but I, was, I, I basically was a Trekkie, and I got sucked into fandom that way, and that led me to different TV shows and things. But uh, I discovered podcasting when I started listening to a TV guide. Basically, had a podcast uh, several years ago where they would talk about television, and I loved it. And then they canceled it, and I got really kind of frustrated about that. That I couldn't find one that I liked as well. And then I realized that I, on the weekends, I would call my friends to talk about TV, and I'd spend an hour talking to one friend, and then an hour talking to another, and an hour talking to another. And I was like, well, you know what? Let's save time and get all my friends together, and we'll talk about it at once. So that was how it started. There you go. Podcasting as time-saving device for, uh, <laughs> for talking about TV with friends. That's my excuse. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that seems uh, seems seems perfectly fine to me. Uh, okay, so we'll move over to uh, the news segment. There's a, a decent list of things uh, that have come up since. Oh, that was uh, one thing. Before we get into the news, I wanted to mention if you're if you're listening to this episode after having listened to the last episode and you're and you're going, wait, that's not Amory and Ray. Uh, you are correct, and. Uh, (laughs) we ended up not recording last week. It was one of those weeks where, uh, I was gone and we were going to record later in the week than normal. But by the time that happened, other things came up and we weren't able to record. And then it sort of became, there was no point in recording when we were going to be recording this episode on Sunday to record a previous episode on like a Saturday. So that's why you're not hearing, uh, Amory and Ray, uh, Amory will be back next week and, both of them will be back again next month, so that's why you're, if you're if you're going what wait am I did I miss an episode? You didn't. Okay, so we'll move into the news. Uh, first thing up, uh, ABC has uh, announced that they're going to put the remaining episodes of Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three out on ABC.com. Uh, apparently, as of May seventeenth. Were either of you watching Don't Trust the Bee? I watched season one, uh, probably about four or five episodes of season one, and then I kind of lost interest. Yeah, I kind of uh, dipped in and out of that one based on basically recommendations on Twitter. 
because I, I have some people that you know that, that I follow and who follow me on Twitter who who like that show more than I did, and so every now and again to be like, check it out again, check it out again. It's such a good, ep- good such a good show, such a good episode, and it never really engaged me fully, even though there are you know parts of the the show that I like. I really like the cast, but I do think it's great that uh, that they're gonna put the remaining episodes you know out at least let people see them. If if they if they care about the show, so you know it's I'm not heartbroken that it's not coming back, but for those who are, I think it's nice that they get to see all the episodes. Yeah, it's a nice, a, sort of nice of them to put it out there without you know putting out a, a DVD set where that's the only way you can you can get to those episodes or something like that, where they're actually. Fox, if you could do this with Ben and Kate, <laughs> yeah, <that's>... there are those <laughs> of us who want to see the last two episodes who don't live in England. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, uh that that would be uh, that'd be uh, nice too. Uh, that'd be that'd be good. But yeah, the doing this uh NBC is also doing it with uh, I'm sure you are all watching Ready for Love. The, the, so if you're if you're adorable. If you're watching Ready for Love, uh those episode the remaining episodes of that will also be on nbc.com at, uh, at some point uh here soon. So uh yeah. And uh with uh, with that, we'll move on to <laughs> the CW has picked up uh, Heart of Dixie for a third season and uh, Beauty and the Beast for a second season. Oh, well, I, I feel like that deserves a slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about a slow right? clap means like it's good, right? A slow clap means it's really awesome. I don't know if that deserves. Oh, sorry, a slow... sarcastic slow clap. I should have uh, been yes. more clear. You're right. Uh, one thing I did see that you didn't have mentioned was that they also picked up the originals. We'll talk more about that when we get to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, as far as renewal news, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of, uh, yeah, that was also announced that the Vampire Diaries is getting their uh, getting a spinoff. I guess uh, nothing's quite worked after Vampire Diaries, so maybe they'll just put another Vampire Diaries on right afterwards, and that'll. And that'll work for him. Can't imagine how Beating the Beast will do without that lead-in, though. That's if true. They put, if they put the originals after Vampire Diaries, yeah. which <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, like where where will Beauty and the Beast end up on their? Uh, on, on, can you imagine like if it ends up out with on... Heart of Dixie? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, the only other place that it sort of fits would be either with like Supernatural or if they end up picking up Nikita and putting it on Fridays with Nikita or something that it might sort of work there. Uh, but, uh, it's just one of those, uh, Beauty and the Beast is in that spot of, they can't cancel everything on the, on the CW <laughs> and, and they lost, you know, and with show, you know, 90210 ending and, you know, other things not coming back that already lessens, the number of things. And so you've got to keep some of your new shows, uh, to, you, you know, since, uh, you know, cult's not coming back. <laughs> that is oh, astonishing. That, tra- for... <laughs> oh, that, that show's a train wreck. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of, uh, of, of show that they could put out online for those five people that were watching it to be able to finish out the season. Uh, speaking of, speaking of interesting pickups, uh, Fox has picked up Glee, not just for one more season, but for two more seasons, which which is, I guess it still does. I mean, overall, I guess it still does pretty well. 
I I have like no idea really how well or anything that it does. It gets about it gets about five million viewers, which for Fox is decent. Well, so. and of course they have all the the money from iTunes. The sale, you know, they have yeah, the rights. Sort of the yeah, that, that, for that the, second, all the music. So that secondary, uh, that, that sort of secondary market for uh, for something that's that's probably a, a good. Like the main reason to keep it around, I guess, is that At the people point, that yeah. do watch it do buy the music. Well, the thing is, I checked out of that show last season, this season. I haven't watched it for about a year. So I checked out of it in, I want to say, I can't remember if I made it all the way through the end of the second season. I may have made it through the second season and started into the third season and just... Uh, you know, never really went past the premiere, I think, uh, in the third season. By the time they had the, the what, 15 and 16-year-old sitting down, the adults, to tell her a very special lesson about how she should she should love herself. And, and they had <laughs> such a good, they were the ones who were going to heal her from her abusive relationship. And they sang a song and felt very proud of themselves yeah i was i was gone <laughs> i was gone even before then and then you know i had mentally checked out and then just some of those things in the third season just made me feel good about cutting the cord i i mean i haven't really paid any attention to it but i heard somebody mention something in this that or i mean that they did do the like the school shooting episode but that they of course they did the, but that the the down syndrome girl ended up being the shooter like or the one that fired the gun or something like that. I have I have no idea if that's the case, but I heard somebody <laughs> say that. That I saw a shot with her holding a gun. So maybe maybe so. So it's it like the ultimate weird after school special episode of, <laughs> of wow. That they that's a wowie wow wow moment really. That, that I was like when I heard that I was like yeah it's a good thing I checked out of that a long time ago. Yep, my Glee recommendation is the first thirteen episodes are awesome. And after well, and that, of the first thirteen episodes are awesome. And, yeah. and after that, eh, you can sort of get through the first season, but then it really it becomes work. Yeah, it's uh, just just fast forward to any scene with Kurt and Bert. Those are amazing. <laughs> you'll just be bawling. You'll be like, Mike O'Malley, you're the best. Uh, and then skip the other stuff. <laughs> uh, the super short webisode version of <laughs> of Glee. Okay. NBC uh, announced some pickups. They're picking up uh, Revolution and Chicago Fire for uh, second seasons. And then they uh, also announced that uh, Grimm will be back for a third and Parenthood for a fifth and Law & Order SVU for a 15th. (laughs) I'm so excited about Parenthood. I like... There are no words. I just jumped on board with it this season, and it's been amazing. And uh, I did not take its pickup for granted. But again, the the NBC can't cancel everything <laughs> yeah, is coming. You know that that gave me so many more seasons of Chuck than probably should have happened, and now it's giving me more Parenthood. So I don't even care about the rest of those pickups. I mean, I like Grimm enough, and I've been a fan of Law and Order for a long time. But you know, I I'm very excited about Parenthood there. Yeah, I have to say that's probably the one out of all of those that, because uh, it was mostly on that one. Uh, like, I'm going to, you know, probably continue to, well, unless it completely falls apart, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch Revolution again next season and I'll continue to watch Grimm, which is having a really good season for the most part. 
And uh, but Parenthood is the one on that list where you were, were still not really sure. Like you were kind of sure. Like what what else are they going to do? At least it has this really good core audience uh, for it. That uh, but to see it officially announced that, that that it's coming back. That's a that's a good one. And then the last one on the list uh, after uh, one airing. Stars renewed uh, Da Vinci's Demons for a second season, which I still haven't watched any of yet. Have either of you good watched? Good call. <laughs> is, 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 is not, not, not good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the only reviews I've heard have been that it's not good. Uh, I, we reviewed it in my podcast, and the people that watched it said it was awful. So I didn't bother. I said, oh, I guess that means we're not covering it. So I didn't bother to watch it. <laughs> And the Televerse, which is, of course, the podcast that I'm on for Sound and Sight, we, I should say we, it's really, I do this to myself, we watch all of the network pilots and then the other interesting, you know, pilots that are out there. And so, especially with, you know, we really loved Spartacus on my podcast, so we have stars and, you know, a bit of a chance and checked out Da Vinci's Demons. So, given that we watch all of the network pilots... I have certainly seen worse pilots in the past year. <laughs> so many worse pilots than Division Demons, but it's not memorable. I mean, I wanted to like it, uh, parts of it, just because it could be fun and interesting, but it's just, it's trying to be Sherlock. It's, yeah, it's really, I, I was very surprised to see it get picked up so quickly because I didn't hear that it got huge ratings or anything, but I guess they just, they really want to build up original programming and with Spartacus gone, you know, there's only so much programming they have right now. Yeah. It's uh, I, yeah, it's probably, it did well enough that they, mm-hmm. that they, that they kept it. Uh, but yet we've seen some of these, <laughs> some of these shows get the early pickup announcement and then not actually ever make it <laughs> into uh, another season or, or if they do, they go, they don't go past the second, you know, they don't go past the second one. Uh, I had a quick question. Um, when you're talking about pilots, did any of you guys watch the Amazon pilots when they had their little pilot season, they had like 20 pilots and you got to vote on them. Yeah. No, I have not yet. Yeah. I, you know, I saw those, I tweeted about it, but I haven't got a chance. Uh, I was on vacation. I, I'm so behind on, uh, on TV, uh, that, you know, I caught up, I spent the last couple of days catching up on all these shows so that we could actually talk about I'd actually have something to say on the podcast. Well, uh, I would just recommend you guys should give a shot. Uh, Alpha House is really good. It's it's an A. Out of they have a bunch of pilots, but it's definitely an A. Check it out. Is that the uh is is that the the one about the 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 congressman or the senators or something like that that yeah, are living yes. in the Yes. Yep. It's the, or the Republicans live in a house. Yeah. It's really good. It's pretty funny. John Goodman. You know, that one's definitely on the list to check out because you know, it has John Goodman in it. And then I also want to check out Zombieland just because. Nah, it's all right. Just because. But uh, I haven't heard good things <laughs> about uh, it's, it. It's like a C. It's, it's, it's what you expect, but it's not as funny as Zombieland. It would have served them better if they had said that the cast were completely different characters but saying that they're the same characters from the movie and recasting, I think, was a mistake. Yeah, I think it would have been interesting had they done that. Had they done, this takes place in the same world, and this is another group that ended up finding right. each other. Right, uh, and that, that would have been fine, but saying that they're the same characters uh, draws comparisons, which they don't. it doesn't stand up to the comparisons. And I think they are not served by that. 
So it's a C. Yeah, sorry. All right. And with that, we'll jump into the primetime segment. The first show on our list is The Americans, uh, Season 1, Episode 12, uh, The Oath, which is the next episode would be the season finale. So so who wants to start? Who wants to jump in on The Americans? I thought this was really fun, and I am very excited to see what happens next week. I love that they pulled the trigger on some of this stuff, and my big takeaway on this episode is, oh, poor Martha. That can't end well. <laughs> It's just, you know, that and just how hilarious the, the wigs and the glasses were for the wedding. Those are my two <laughs> big takeaways on this episode. But I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, but that somehow she still looks good no matter how they dress her up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that wedding was very awkward. That was a crazy awkward wedding. Um, I just I felt really uncomfortable during the whole thing, which I think was kind of the point. Uh, because you know he's not invested. Philip is not invested at all in this wedding, and it's a farce, and he's standing there next to the woman he actually considers his wife, and just, ah. Uh, though I did really like the conversation where they're talking about uh, if we had actually gone through saying a vow, do you think we'd still consider ourselves married or whatever? I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that uh, that whole that whole wedding scene was... Was was pretty amazing on all those levels, yeah. Where he's saying vows to somebody that it's obviously you know fake, and meanwhile the person that he has grown to love, you know, <laughs> is standing there next to. It. But then they also have the handler that they don't like, pretending to be his mother, <laughs> uh, you know, and, so, and there's so many things going on there that you're just. You're just like, wow, that's a, but it was interesting to me that they went as far as having the FBI get onto the the possibility that there's a couple, you know, that there's a a man and a woman working together, uh, you know, agents out there that uh, is, I don't know, maybe a little farther. I thought that they would, you know, how so far how the season had gone, maybe a little farther. I thought than I thought they would go in the first season, but but then, you know, based on the composite drawings off of all their various wigs and <laughs> glasses and stuff like that, they didn't exactly uh, spark uh, where you would go, oh, wait a second, maybe it is my neighbors, you know, type of thing. So, <laughs> I like all, all the triple agent things that are going on. They found the recording device and they're going to feed it false information. And then you have, I forgot her name. She's the Russian spy who took the oath and now she she basically confessed and she plans on flipping the FBI guy to to give him get information from him, and I'm just like, wow, just like that that blows my mind right there. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that that switch coming. Like, uh, I didn't I didn't see that one coming. That was uh, I was actually pretty surprised by that one, which is always I'm always happy at when something happens that mm-hmm. I didn't uh, didn't see coming. But yeah, they have a lot of uh, you know, and then they have. You know, they now have the listening device in the FBI agent's office and, you know, they don't know about. And so, yeah, there's so much stuff going on. And the thing I still I really like is they're showing like the technology of the day, you know, like not only is, you know, there's a recording device that's, you know, you can put in a pen, but the receiver's got to be on Martha out sitting outside the, 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 at her desk, you know, type of thing. Or, or for the one they put in the, 
in the radio, you know, in a car, you know, across the street or something, you know, that they have to come back and and get the, you know, pick up the actual recording and 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 listen to it, and or the you know the micro uh, dot information that she's looking at with the with the little magnifier and all those things that uh, I is is kind of uh, fun to watch nowadays with everything spy worthy is so hugely techno- technological uh to see what <laughs> what it was like a little more real representation plus back at that time period is uh, is always interesting to me as well well i think that was one of the smartest things they did putting it in this time period because there there are those limitations it's just so wonderful to not have to w- wonder oh they're talking is somebody listening in? Is there like a long range mic picking them? You know, like the, uh, the fact that it just allows them to be able to talk like the, the two main characters or Claudia and Elizabeth, you know, as we've been seeing lots of fun scenes with them. I, I like that you, there's, you know, they're not going to be anybody pulling a rug out under you really quick with, uh, Oh, we know. Cause we overheard cause we were listening from two houses away. You know, it really allows them a lot of freedom that I think is uh, very important. Yeah, and it makes it interesting because a lot of stuff, because it's so old school, it almost seems new. And so it seems kind of interesting on how they're doing it. It's like, oh, that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it also adds, I think it adds some to the tension, too, because of that. You know, they have to, like I said, they have to go up back and pick up the recordings, which means you have to periodically get close to the place that you're, you know, that you're, uh, you know, that you're eavesdropping on. And then all the... Uh, you know, where it's just, you know, wigs and and various makeup jobs and <laughs> glasses and stuff like that to uh, and clothes to to try and look different enough that when you're when you're doing something so that so that it ends up being if you end up with a composite sketch of, of various where they they've seen the same person, but they look so different that it's, uh, you know, you don't really get to. A, a good look at them, uh, but uh, they've really ratcheted things up going into the the finale. Like with all the different things that they've got going on, uh, I'm very interested to see uh, where the finale goes. And this is one of those shows that I I caught up with. I had already gotten behind before I went on vacation, and then I didn't watch any TV. I pretty much watched. I think I watched two episodes of Cougar Town on my phone. At one point in time, over, <laughs> over, and and the occasional little bit of a of a basketball game or some, one of the playoff games or something over the course of like uh, eight days or ten days or something like that. So when I got back, I watched I watched five episodes of this yesterday to get <laughs> to catch up. So I have like I had like this huge uh, download of the Americans, uh, and then. The same thing with the next show on the list, uh, The Vampire Diaries. Uh, we're at season four, episode twenty, uh, The Originals, which is since it was both it was on your list, and I figured The Originals. This seems like uh, with the the, the spin off uh, thing being picked up, it seemed like a good episode to talk about. But then I realized that I was five episodes behind on that show as well. <laughs> I am very sorry if you watched <laughs> the last five episodes of, of Vampire Diaries just. So we can talk about the originals. I've been so disappointed in the Vampire Diaries this season, um, except for um, Stand by Me, which was such a fantastic episode. Um, but yeah, and I thought this 
the backdoor pilot was kind of terrible for many of the same reasons as everything else. And I seem to be out, out of step with the internet <laughs> on this one. I saw so many positive reviews of this as a pilot and everything else that I'm, I'm sort of flabbergasted. So uh, I would love to, to know if you guys are on the same page as me or if not, if you can explain to me how people liked this <laughs> as a Vampire Diaries episode and also as a pilot. Well, I, I would say it's not a Vampire Diaries episode at all. Um, I was going to say you almost could have watched this without catching up yeah. to the, the five episodes. Like it, It's pretty much a standalone. I am mixed. Uh, we reviewed this episode as well, and we had some, some people really liked it. Some people thought it was mediocre. I fell like in the middle. I think that uh, Elijah is a fantastic character, and I would follow him wherever he goes on a show. You say the show's originals has Elijah, I'm there. I think Rebecca's okay. I think Klaus is okay. But mainly I'm happy that they're off the Vampire Diaries. Like, that's really why I wanted the originals to take off, because <laughs> then I feel like if I want to watch them, I can, but I'm not forced to watch them. I actually think that by a lot by uh, Klaus not leaving town um, after he basically did the big bad thing, he he got defeated, he lost, and then he doesn't leave town; he just hangs around all season. And I think that really has dragged down the season of Vampire Diaries. So I'm really glad that he's off the show. And I think that some of the characters in the original is are interesting. Like I think Marcel could be interesting. I think the overall plot that they laid out makes no sense to me um, as far as their big plot is that they need to kill Marcel. And I was like, you have Elijah and Klaus standing around. They can kill that guy in five seconds. I don't understand why we have a show that's going to be centered around Klaus trying to take away everything that Marcel has other than... Marcel has the loyalty of all these people, and Klaus has never been able to get people to follow him out of loyalty. He's gotten them to follow him out of fear or magic or whatever, but not out of loyalty. So that could be interesting, watching him try to figure out how to do that. But they need to make that more clear. That's the objective versus, oh, we have to figure out a way to take Marcel out of power. It's like, that's easy. So, but they're like, no, no, we have to follow these steps first, and then the whole baby thing made me think of Twilight. So, so, yeah. so, so you weren't interested in the three vampires and a baby? <laughs> <laughs> That's that seems really silly. I'm not excited about that at all. I think that seeing the only thing that I think could be interesting about this show is watching Klaus and um, Elijah try to get. The, the followers of uh, Marcel on their side to switch people's loyalties and get them to do that. Like, that could be interesting. But, oh, that sounds terrible to me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, like, I really hideous. like Elijah. I think I, I really like Elijah, and I hate the, I hate the werewolf chick. I can't remember her name. The one yeah, that's pregnant. Haley. I really, really dislike her. The one from, from, uh, from Secret, Secret Circle. Circle. Oh, she's so. Phoebe awful. Tonkin is the actress. I like Phoebe. So, T- I like Phoebe Tonkin a lot. I would like to just. I'm sure you can hear this. I would like to apologize for the dog in the background. That is Rico Suave. He has strong feelings <laughs> about about he, the originals. Apparently, he doesn't like the originals as well. <laughs> uh, apparently, yeah. No, I enjoy Phoebe Tonkin. 
I am not a fan of Haley. I think the character is ridiculous and has no depth or growth and or interest, really, of any sort. Here's the thing. I very much like Elijah as well. I think he's a very interesting character. I think Daniel Gillies, Gillis is a very charismatic and also very talented actor. I think uh, Joseph Morgan is actually a very good actor as well. But Klaus is a terrible character. And <laughs> here's why. Uh, he is invincible. That doesn't work. He cannot be killed. They they had an opportunity last well, season. Yeah, there's the one thing there, that he now possesses. There's the one thing that can kill him that he yes, now but has. If, but yet, if, if you, you do, him, if you kill him, every vampire, every main character on your show. So therefore, he's functionally cannot be killed. And they they had an opportunity last season that I thought was so so neat when they're like, we're gonna make the originals human. I was like, oh, that's great. That would be so much more interesting. And then that would open up all these other things they could do, and then they didn't do it. They didn't pull the trigger on it. And so you've had just this albatross of of Klaus. And I'm sorry, I don't care that he doesn't kill Tyler last week. I'm sorry, that's (laughs) not enough to make me care about somebody who just drowned Tyler's mother because, and who was a horrible brother and has done nothing but just kind of stalk Caroline and and not actually kill her boyfriend. When she went to him last week to get a prom dress for no reason, I was I was so completely frustrated and annoyed. He's been a huge problem for the entire series of the Vampire Diaries in this the entire season, I should say. Um, they originally planned to kill him last season and then decided to like the character or the actor and kept him around so they could spin him off into a new show. And it's been just an entire season of treading water until the originals got picked up. Um, and so this new show, I don't care about him feeling bad about himself and nobody loves me. Well, why don't you stop killing everyone and then maybe they'll <laughs> like you? Well, it's one of those things that it doesn't make any sense to me uh, really in the – like how are they – He's just going to move now, and so he's not going to be in Mystic Falls, so now he's not yeah. He's not a problem for them anymore, but he still yeah. lives in this world. I don't, I don't get that. It, it became one of these things where each season they kept creating, you know, the bigger and bigger big bad, uh, and then they got to this one, and they fell in love with the actor and decided to keep him around long past where they've had multiple times where it actually – in the world that they've created, uh, they actually could get rid of him in a way that made sense within you know all these different rules that they've set up uh, in their world. Uh, and then they haven't gotten rid of him. And so now the idea that this guy that has been the big, you know, one of the big bads, that they now have a bigger bad above him too and they have them both now instead of just one at a time like they've done before to just have him be like all of a sudden yeah i'm gonna gonna move back to new orleans i really had a great time there back in the day back to new orleans have they ever ever mentioned that he built new orleans before (laughs) because that came out of nowhere for me this week where it was just oh this is my town like really because you live like a couple hours away from it, and Other you've never have gone it. to New Orleans. Yeah, you know, and there's yeah. never really been much interaction other than with a witch here or there. There hasn't been much interaction with that. There is like <laughs> that. Basically, vampires have rule <laughs> the French Quarter. <laughs> you know. Like, oh my god! 
and uh, yeah. and and have and have put this thing into like how long has Marcel had this thing in place with the witches? Like, because apparently in past episodes where uh, you know Damon or somebody else has gone to find a witch in New Orleans. Uh, I was about to say Damon was just in New Orleans, <laughs> and so it's really yeah. weird. That, that, that they have this thing. But all I care about is he's off the show, and for all intents and purposes, he is now dead and gone. If you don't want to watch the originals, Klaus is dead and gone. So I'm fine with that. I'm like, get off my show so that it can return <laughs> to what it does. you know. And, and I love Vampire Diaries, and you're right. He has hampered it. However, I will say one thing. I am a sucker for Klaus and Caroline. I am. I, I, I kind of like it a little. But he's off the show now, so it doesn't matter. I would be a sucker for Klaus and Caroline if Klaus showed any depth over the course of the entire year. They've had an opportunity to grow him. You know, if it wasn't just, I'll stare at paintings and look vulnerable and I'm a charismatic <laughs> actor. And I have good chemistry with Candace Akala, who is one of the other highlights of the show. So therefore you will care. You know, if, if, if they made him anything but a petulant child in this past season that I, you know, I, I'm on board with that as a notion, except they, they don't earn it. And then they do things like Carolyn's about to make out with him a couple weeks ago because Tyler's gone and she killed some people. And so now she's going to make out with this person who's just destroyed so many parts of her life. Cause <laughs> I mean, and, and to talk about the, you know, I, I'm also very glad that Klaus and will be, will be off of, I think it doesn't make any sense the way that they break up Catherine and Elijah. I mean, cause, because they spent the time building that relationship a couple weeks ago, it doesn't make any sense for her to not just go to New Orleans and be on the show, except for, of course, the actress can't do both of them. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it seemed pretty obvious that this was going to get picked up. So why did they establish that relationship knowing they were going to have to almost immediately, you know, disintegrate it? I, I don't know. But the other they thing could, I want to mention... They could have kept it and... Over the course of a season, she could make a couple appearances. That's true. Know, in, they could have done that. Or something, you know, that they have, you know, characters on these shows disappear for episodes at a time anyways. Uh, like, you know, they had uh, the episode where Bonnie wakes up and has no recollection of anything. And then the very next episode, Bonnie doesn't appear in it at all. And then the <laughs> next episode is... <laughs> Is like the prom, and it just seems like I don't well, know. Gee, that... guys, the prom—it's the most important <laughs> thing ever. Now the fact that I'm waking up on fire. But that there, it just seemed like a weird arc, like it of of story that that there was something missing or something like that. So that happens all the time, where you could just there could just you can mention a character every once in a while or or what have you. But yeah, they 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 could have done that. But I'm still ultimately want to see how they they really leave the show like is this the like are they no longer going to appear in the rest of the episodes of vampire diaries like the rest of the season like was this them no i don't believe that i would like to believe that i highly doubt it though but i because but i need like a better reason for like him to like leave <laughs> like it it still makes no sense well, they have to also have – right now, Rebecca says she's not going with them, so they have to give Rebecca a reason to leave. So we're at least going to see them back to go get Rebecca to bring her down with them. Yeah, yeah. I, it's uh, maybe – I don't know. They, they, there's got to be something. Like, is he going to leave and 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 tell Caroline, yeah, I'm not going to go after Tyler anymore so Tyler can come back you know, next season? You know, 
Uh, well, the thing that's actually bad is I actually don't want Tyler to come yeah, back. That's... I really don't like him. So, mm. like, yeah, Tyler can stay away. Yeah, before we go, go away from the originals, uh, just, I, apparently I need this, this. This has brought up the snark in such a... <laughs> A, a severe way for me. I gotta just mention uh, the the casting. I, I do really like Marcel. I think the actor is very charismatic. I noticed one of his minions was a, was an actor who was on Spartacus in the the early seasons. So yes. that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, but the the witches. Could the one which have cared any less that her sister just got <laughs> murdered the day before? And then we have random stand-in for Caroline, who's staring at art and being meaningful, uh, who's a black belt in karate, guys, so she can take on vampires. Uh, and then, so the, I mean, just the casting of that was ridiculous. Those, those two sisters didn't feel like sisters. They really didn't feel like they have any sort of power, or really even just charisma to me. Uh, I don't believe the one is a chef, either. At all. And then, I love New Orleans. It's such a gorgeous, beautiful, amazing city. I, I, I know that they filmed in New Orleans for a while for this, but, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched Treme at all. The, the one parade they show a little bit of felt like the most pathetic attempt to co-opt. You know, it's like, it was just, oh my God, it was just almost offensive to me watching their version of New Orleans. It was like, okay, Mystic Falls works for me, much like Sunnydale works for me. Because it's not a real place, so I can believe it. If you're going to take such a distinctive, amazing, interesting, vital city like New Orleans and put it in your show, it's not going to work for me if you have people cartoonishly jumping around and hooting and hollering and yelling about how vampires own the night. I'm sorry. <laughs> take take the uh, angel approach where it's set in L.A., but it's all in shadows in, in shady bars no one's heard of, and it doesn't try to, like say that this is this is what the city's really like i mean I, that was really distracting to me sorry i'm done now yeah. <laughs> I, was just saying, I, I think i'm done now <laughs> okay and with that we definitely i definitely like to hear uh your thoughts out there uh on uh on the vampire diaries and the originals spinoff idea yeah, and the internet really does not seem to agree with me on this, so I'm sure, you know, for most people I'm wrong, but... Yeah, so come uh, leave a comment on the post, or uh, always you can send an email to feedback at tvtimes3.com, and uh, let us know what you think about uh, the the Vampire Diaries over the... Uh, send me your hate, at yeah. the television on Twitter. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. go to at, at the television and, and let Kate know whether... Is she really all alone on this? Like she feels. Show her some love. Uh, okay, we'll move on to uh, the next show on the list is uh, Hannibal, uh, season one, episode five, uh, Coquilles. However you pronounce it, I don't know. Uh, but uh, there's a there's a few things to talk about with with this with them pulling an episode uh, before this one and stuff. But I'm really interested to hear, uh, Libya. What is your uh, <laughs> What is your thing about this show? Uh, I have an aversion to serial killers and not like the following guys. Cause that's just kind of silly, <laughs> but like real, like real kind of, and I also have a thing about people eating people. It hit all my buttons, all my negative buttons. And I just can't watch it. It's like watching them eat. And, and you're wondering, are they really eating a person? I'm like, Oh, 
that would freak me out. And then Hannibal is a pretty scary serial killer. And I no, no, I have no desire to watch the show. It's just, it's just not something that I'm interested. Like I, I'm not watching Bates Motel either because I'm not interested in that. So there you go. There's just certain things that just, cause I feel like television right now is skewing. Like they're like, Oh, everybody likes walking dead. So people must like a lot of violence and killing. And I'm like, well, Walking Dead, they're already dead, so it almost doesn't feel like killing. <laughs> it's like a live-action video game. Right. So to me, even though it's really violent, I don't really kind of see it as violence exactly. Uh, so Walking Dead doesn't – Walking Dead is almost like a cartoon. It's really dramatic. It's really great, good characters, good writing. But it, do, it doesn't really scare me at all. Uh, Vampire Diaries doesn't scare me at all either. But all these shows they have coming out right now that are really more horror, like really horror – I, I don't like horror, so I, I can't watch it. So, oh, man, I think Hannibal is written so much better than The Walking Dead. It's not even funny. I actually care about these characters. <laughs> um, but I do I absolutely see where you're coming from. It, this is, and that's what I think is actually one of the strengths of the series. And it's one thing that makes other people, not, people like, like yourself not want to, to invest in it and not want to welcome that into their home and their brain every week. It's be, it doesn't shy away from the psychological trauma of this kind of violence. You know, it, does, it doesn't give you the, the shock value and this ridiculous notion of sexiness and lurid um, appeal for murder and mayhem the way that something like The Following does. And I hated that pilot. I, I was angry by that pilot. And I still understand why so many people are watching what is such a bad show at least in my opinion and they're not watching Hannibal which takes the same basic you know ideas of, of serial killers and 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 these really interesting disturbing ideas and actually shows some some realism with the the way the trauma that we're seeing the main character being inflicted you know being afflicted upon the main character because he's seeing this in a season you know a season of television where there's been a lot of talk about the responsibilities of, of television and its depictions of violence and its de- depictions of, of horror and other things like that. This is the first series that I feel like is actually aware of that and is actually being thoughtful in its approach um, to, to discussing those, those issues and those topics. And yeah, it's definitely a squicky show. Uh, for me, I don't, I think the show has been, has been implying that Hannibal is feeding people to people but that doesn't seem to fit with his character uh, because that would be very rude. And he's, if anything, he's not rude. Um, so I'm not, I'm still not kind of sure about that, but it, it's been so heavily implied. I, I'm not sure. What, what do you think, Jason? Have you been watching Hannibal? Yeah. I, while I do have an aversion to serial killers and eating people as well, <laughs> I find it. I would go to record. I also have an aversion to eating people. But not to serial killers? Serial killers as well, but not okay. thoughtful depictions okay. like this one. Uh, I it's this show is so well written and the characters are so interesting and I think they have especially in the like the f- I think the first episode when Hannibal shows up with the uh, protein scramble for Will the next day that's the that's the time where you because he was just cutting up like lungs the, the night before <laughs> you where you're like wait is he now feeding you, you do kind of think that that may be uh, happening mm-hmm. especially also since he uh he keeps having uh i'm blanking lords fishburne's character over for dinner uh, all the time and so there's a lot of eating going on in the show 
<laughs> that that it it does sort of make you wonder it and it it does creep you out and that's the thing about the show is uh is there's so many things going on you know like when Hannibal comes in and he sees Will talking to the class about you know the copycat and stuff like that and you just you get just this little teeny look on his face like you know where Will's talking about what type of person would do this and uh you know and it's you know you're supposed to think that it's him that did it so uh it was you know they've got a lot of stuff going on in this and it's so well written the thing that i find weird about it is that they pulled the fourth episode because some sort of sensitivity with the bombings in boston and stuff like that that or 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 yeah, or other other events the plot but, of the week was um about bombings no but that's so, the thing is the plot it? of the week wasn't about bombings the plot of the week was about a teacher that brainwashes her students or his students oh, into I'm killing thinking for a revolution him. Yeah. revolution had a and, about and castle bombs. had a bomb episode that they that they didn't air that but they're just airing it a week later like apparently a week later it's it's perfectly sensitive <laughs> the same week not so much <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so th- that's the type of weird stuff. It's like, just because something happens in a, in a week, I don't know, but they pulled this episode and it was supposed to be sort of sensitivity to the violence that had gone on or whatever is what they said. But I find a couple things strange about it. One, they sent out episodes. I didn't, I, I didn't get them, but critics that got episodes sent out of, for Hannibal got episode one, two, three, five, and six. They weren't sent episode four. And... When I went out to watch on uh, watch these episodes on demand on my cable box, uh, episode what what is episode five is marked as episode four on the cable box, and a lot of times those things, uh, if it if it would have shown up because you know those things are already programmed in to to go live. If they would have chopped one out, they wouldn't have changed. Uh, a lot of times when you can see, I can, you see things get end up playing out of order based on how they get listed, you know, on, on demand by their actual episode number that they were originally given. And so it makes me think that they were never, ever going to air this episode in the U S for any reason. Well, they did put, um, the elements of it that are serialized, like so, the, the Hannibal and uh, Will Graham. Uh, yeah, they and they Elena did. They scenes, put that those scenes put those out online. Yeah, they yeah. put those scenes out online so that you could continue on with the character development. So that when you were watching episode five, if you knew about those webisodes, there wouldn't be things that were happening that you're going, "Wait, when did that happen?" You know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that was interesting about that is is it was 22 minutes of stuff in the webisodes. So that's roughly half to a little over half of an actual episode that had nothing to do with whatever the case of the week is, which shows you how much actual character development stuff they have in the series compared to, uh, you know, sort of the case of the week type stuff. But the thing that I also find interesting is they didn't postpone the episode with the kids killing, you know, being brainwashed to kill and then, not air Hannibal at all. They just aired the next episode, which was episode five, which is has all these shots of people being splayed out into angels with their <laughs> and ears, like highly violent looking and stuff like that. But I guess since kids weren't involved, 
there wasn't a sensitivity issue. It's so bizarre that it makes <laughs> this whole thing about pulling that episode makes no sense to me whatsoever, especially in a show so much that you're trying to that has so much serialization that you're you're trying to build some sort of audience uh, with uh, in the shortened season. It it's just so weird because how many people do you think actually watch you know that watch the show actually knew or heard about that these webisode episodes were online and went and watched them. Uh, I'm I'm thinking very few, and so that there's the possibility that you could be a little more lost in the show uh, and and feel that you're missing something, uh, especially if you get like a previously type of thing in the beginning of an episode, but it, you never saw that because it was in the it was in the episode that they pulled. I don't know that the whole thing. What do you think of the idea of pulling episodes when it's closely related to? you know, to something that, you know, that happens in the news? Oh, I think it can be uh, a worthwhile thing to do. Um, uh, I think, for example, just the the freak timing of something like the Revolution episode having hidden bombs the night, you know, after, you know, several hours after the Boston uh, incident is just, they were uh, absolutely right to pull that one. Or I remember... Um, the Buffy episode, which has nothing to do with school shootings, but had you know they pulled the school shooting episode. They pulled the everybody has guns in the school episode because it was so close after Columbine. I think it this day and age though, what they should do if they decide they want to pull something, that's their prerogative. But I think they should put it online, the full episode online for those who want to, you know, because you have to go seek it out and watch it, and, and they can put a little warning at the, you know, beginning, but, you know, to, to cut, uh, cut up the episode into webisodes seems very odd to me, it, because, I mean, again, that's something where I don't think they're going to get more benefit from having these, like, five or six, you know, four to five minute sequences, you know, on their website, as opposed to just putting the full episode up. Um, and if, you know, if they decide they want to pull, they decide they want to pull, um, you know, I would have to see the full episode to have an opinion on whether it was a good idea to pull it in this case. Um, but I think there, there's usually, there's often a lot of oversensitivity with that. Um, it's very easy to pull something and not get yelled at (laughs) by the public, (laughs) you know, not take that chance. Uh, what gets frustrating, um, is when, especially as a fan of television or some of these shows, when they, when episodes get pulled is when they don't get aired until like with Buffy, it didn't get aired until like three months later during the summer. Very, it would have been very easy to miss it. Um, and so I think with so much television on, on online at this point, that would have been my answer at least. Yeah. I think the, the thing about this one is that, there's nothing in the story that that really makes sense with you know some of the things that were going on like why they would they pull it i mean i under, it, it's totally understandable that if you have episodes uh built around bombs that airing them the night that bombs went off in you know in a, a major city is you know probably not the best idea but then it's also one of those weird things that it's like we put a lot of violence into our tv shows but there's only mm-hmm. some weeks, you know, when actual violence takes place where then it's a problem that we have violence in our TV shows. It, it's it's sort of weird uh, in that. I mean, it's it's understandable in some cases, but it's also kind of weird that, uh, you know, it's like, why did you 
make a bombing episode, you know, in the first place if it's so disturbing. Yeah, why are we okay with it the rest of the time? Yeah, you know, uh, the, uh, or or apparently in this case, in Castle's case, a week later, we're perfectly fine with uh, Kate Beckett standing on a bomb uh, for an episode. Mm-hmm. And based on that she's still alive in the episode that they played on Monday, I'm pretty sure she makes it. <laughs> oh, you don't think they're going to kill their, since that their was, one of their lead since characters? That was, yeah, since Epidurity? that was the next week's episode already, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but <laughs> All right, I think that's enough about that. Although I would be, <laughs> an, again, another thing I would be interested in hearing listeners' opinions on uh, when episodes get pulled and, and what they think about, especially about the Hannibal episode that got pulled. And did they go watch these uh, watch the webisodes? Uh, and we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is Grimm, Season 2, Episode 18, uh, Volcanolis, uh, which was almost sort of uh, – well, it had – it did have a little bit uh, with Adelaide and and stuff, but it almost felt like this was the first one that felt really just like standalone, like that not much happened since so much has been happening this season uh, with sort of the – uh, the overall story and, you know, finding out more about, you know, the Royals and and all this stuff that, uh, I don't know, this episode seemed more, I don't know, more standalone. And, and I'm so glad that apparently Juliet has finally been able to get her memory back because this has been, I don't know, you'll have to tell me what do you think uh, about it. But it seems like it's this has gone on way too long now as this sort of side story. It it has been um, frustrating because every time they get to me get to where I think I might like Juliet, they pull something and give her a bizarre storyline that pulls her out of the group and makes her storyline ridiculous, and you just don't want to spend any time with it. She should have gotten her memory back. She lost her memory in the finale of season one, and she's just now getting her memory back in towards the finale of season two. That's insanity. Um, she should already be part of the group. They were make because they were they were struggling to make her character interesting last season, and they were like, "Okay, we're going to tell her the secret and make her part of the group." And I was like, "Great!" And they still haven't done it. And I just feel like they're they're getting like all the goodwill that I had toward Juliet is pretty much gone at this point. Uh, I'm already tired of her character. I don't care if she gets back with Nick or not. I don't care about anything about her which is sad because she could have been interesting. On the other hand, what I did like is that Renard, the uh, ch- the captain, is definitely on the team. They're all working together. They're coming up with plans together. I really like that. I really like how they're incorporating it. And, and Renard and Nick are kind of over their little feud. And go Team Grim. You know, I really like that. <laughs> Um, I actually really like what they're doing with Juliet, and I think the character is excellent. Um, I think that, especially last season, that it was straining so, so much when they just wouldn't weren't including her. It felt very, very much like the writers trying to stretch out the reveal um, because she so quickly established herself as very intelligent, very capable, very uh, uh, courageous when put into a stressful situation. She handled herself well. I just re- I still remember just all, like just fist in the air cheering when she what is it she dumped that pot of boiling water on the or or at least hit the guy with the pot who was fighting with Nick. Um, and that was early season one, and and they stayed true to that element of her personality all the way through. So I thought the, the 
the convenient amnesia was frustrating for me, but I like the way that they that they incorporated that in this next season, and I actually like that it hasn't been an easy solution. And I also really like that that Nick isn't fixing her, and that he can't fix her, and that she has to fix herself. I think she's a much more interesting and strong girlfriend character than these types of shows tend to have. I think she, uh, I, I also, just anytime they let her speak Spanish is awesome because she has a flawless, gorgeous, amazing accent. Because, of course, she grew up in, in several different Spanish-speaking countries as a child, the actress did. But I think Bitsy Tullock, the actress, has done such a fabulous job of imbuing warmth and reality to the, the, this ridiculous experience that the character is going through um, that I'm just, I'm, I'm with her. And I thought, she, like, when, a couple weeks ago, when she has all of these voices just kind of raining in on her, just her performance in that, because that's something that, and I talked about this on the Televerse a few weeks back, that's something that we've seen on so many of these different shows, you know, whether it's Buffy, whether it's, you know, any, you've seen a scene like that in many, many genre shows, but I thought her performance was so much more believable. I like the way that they've brought back in that, um, I don't even know what she is, that other woman for Juliet to talk to, um, and I don't know, I just, yes, it's been a full season, but I like that it's not easy, and I feel like once, you know, we're, we're finally getting through with that, also, they ha- they've been going back to her almost every week, but it's been, like, one scene, so I like that, um, it's been, there's been more time for her where she's trying to deal with this, but we haven't had to, to watch it. So maybe that's the, the difference in our takes. I would disagree I'm a little bit I was going to disagree a little bit about that because I do feel like they're making us watch it. I'd say last night's episode or Friday night's episode, there was like three or four scenes with Juliet. It hasn't just been one scene because well, yes, there was, there was a scene where she it last week. Say again? But she's that, that's the week when she solves it, where she, you know, she finds yeah, the answer and starts healing. Even the other weeks, we're, when we're watching her go through it, like when there was a hole in her floor, we like every commercial break, we came back and watching her stare at the hole in the floor. That's like, true. I think if, you, if it was what you were saying, that we were only getting like one scene per episode, I would probably be okay with it. But it feels like it's a lot and it, nothing's happening. And that's why I've been frustrated. I see your point. I do see your point yeah. about... Or her strength and everything, but I just I'm just kind of frustrated with it at this point. I do think they need to just make her part of the group. Yeah. I, I I agree. Um, and um, the thing that's most frustrating to me is all these ads of of Nick making out with chick random chick, which is you know is going to happen as soon as she gets her memory back. He will have started to move on, and that is just horrible writing. I'm really not interested in that. But the other thing I will say before, of course, sending it back over uh, to you, Jason, is. You know, I, I, I've been missing Rosalie on the show. I think they, you know, having her kind of in and out feels very odd to me. Um, and so, you know, when maybe that's just because when Rosalie's not there, I'm holding on to Juliet as the female voice on the show even more. So I don't care about the royals. I don't care about Adeline at all, even though I think she makes an excellent villain here and there. Um, but, you know, I like Rosalie. I like Juliet. I wish they would do more with them. Well, Rosalie's one of those weird characters and that like she hasn't appeared in a seems like she hasn't been on in a couple of weeks. It seems like she was on more when they sent her out of town, which is normally the time they send somebody <laughs> out of town and then they're not on for a few weeks, but yet she was on the show more while so that, that that's all well, kind of weird, but well, really, yeah. I was going to say real quick uh, behind the scenes, she had a baby. 
So that's what happened. But when you're watching on the show, it just feels it just feels weird that when you, <laughs> when you bring the character back into town, that's when she tends to disappear from your screen. But when you send her out of town, which is normally when somebody disappears from your screen, she tended to be on the phone <laughs> a lot with people where yes. it wasn't just a voice. You actually saw her. Uh, so that was kind of that's that's been kind of a little bit strange. But really, with the Juliet character, I feel that it's been a little bit long. I I kind of like what they've done, that it hasn't been, you know, it wasn't an easy fix. But some of the things that bother me within it is like she is, you know, seeing Nick all over the place. She ends up in the hospital. Nick has been leaving her alone. But, you know, when he hears that she's in the hospital, he shows up to check on her. But she's still so freaked out that she says, you know, just leave me alone, where she's talking about all the fake Nicks that she's seen. And he reads it as... I guess she's finally, you know, wants me to just leave her alone. And that's the that's the stupid scene that sets up the possibility for him to hook up with somebody else just as she's getting her memory back. And those things those things bother me cuz you're just like just a little bit just a couple more words and Nick would have been able to figure out that she's talking about, you know, <laughs> like that she's seen lot she's she's having visions of him or something like that, not uh, you know, not that he, he, she wants the real Nick, you know, to disappear uh, uh, from from her life, you know, for good or whatever it is that that's the type of stuff within these storylines to go back to like the first season of not having her or know it. It makes sense for a little bit uh, in a story for you not to tell, you know, you're trying to protect people, you know, you're trying to protect the people you love. So you don't tell them about this thing that you now have developed, you know, yet. Once the people start finding out about you and then by association find out about her, then it no longer becomes safe for her not to know. It's one mm-hmm. of those things. But yet they continue to keep it a secret, you know, down to where there's being, you know, they're, tr- they're trying to come up with uh, explanations for why people keep attacking us in our house. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's the type of stuff in the first season that made no, you know, that made no sense. And then they finally go. Uh, to bring her in and to keep her out. I actually liked the, what they did with uh, the amnesia storyline because they did something different. It wasn't that she forgot everything. I found it quite interesting to, for somebody to have amnesia where they only forget everything about one person. That's something that I haven't seen before. I thought that was, yeah, I, yeah, agree. I thought that was an interesting, you know, the, taking something that you've seen before, but doing it differently. Uh, I, I like that. It just seems now that it's gone on a little bit too far that I, that I was very happy that she was, you know, that this episode took place and she was starting to be able to reincorporate, you know, the memories by focusing one at a time on some of them uh, so that she wasn't just seeing Nick's everywhere she went. You know, I, I was glad to see that, that come in the, in the storyline and ultimately didn't really uh, care much about the, uh, the walking volcano man (laughs) and stuff. I I like some of the other stuff, like with captain Renard going. So how many of these books you got? Like (laughs) you got a lot of these books, you know, like (laughs) uh, that have, you know, all this information about uh, these, everything, these various monsters sooner or later, somebody in, in the grim past has uh, documented (laughs) everything that they need to know as they come across people. But, uh, 
too many people know about the trailer for me to feel good <laughs> about it at this point. Too many people that I don't necessarily trust. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. I, I, it no longer feels like a safe haven well, to it, me. It, it does seem like the trailer should be moved to another, <laughs> like another, yeah. like a new spot. It really needs to have been moved to a new spot because, because like he it says, moved to a new trailer so yeah. it looks different, you know. <laughs> You know, he goes to Captain Renard because he knows that he speaks the language to be able to help them out. But, you know, he's still not totally sold on what this guy's, uh, you know, ultimate plans are, you know, if he totally trusts him yet. So that's the type of thing where you're just like, especially when he's asking questions like, how how many more of these books do you got? That's when you start going, you know, I don't quite trust this guy. I might I might take my trailer two. someplace else. I have two more of these books. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only one. But yet, I guess the one time he was in the trailer, he didn't really look around that much, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. he was looking for the key. But you kind of would have thought that he may have seen some of those books or something like that when he was going through stuff. But overall, I've I've been enjoying uh, Grimm. What do you think of them now moving it off of Fridays for the last few episodes uh, onto Tuesday nights. I think it's going to benefit the ratings. I think the ratings yeah. are going to go. I think it's really smart and they should have done it a while ago. I mean, I think it does very well for them on Fridays and I think it, you know, it makes sense for them to have it there just because it's going to be reliable for them on Fridays. But I think, you know, it's one of their better hour long shows. Definitely. I mean, on NBC right now with Parenthood off the air, as far, for me, it's pretty much just Hannibal and Grimm are the only hour longs I think are in any way well written and, you know, something that could build an, build on an audience. And so having, you know, I started out liking Revolution. I'm off board with that one right now. And so putting Grimm after The Voice seems just like an obvious thing that should have happened quite a while. I mean, ready for love really you thought that was a good way to help your network and to build your brand and to get people to stick around next year i mean i think honestly i think they should have put hannibal after the voice on on mondays i get why they didn't it's not obviously it's not family friendly like something like revolution um but if they wanted to launch a quality new show that's you know the place to put it so at least putting grim you know it's one of their most reliable it's already picked up for next season hopefully this will help it build a larger base but i think it's overdue yeah, it almost yeah. seemed like it should have been. I mean, because I think they were originally they were going to put Ready for Love on Sunday nights with The Apprentice, and then the geniuses at NBC decided they're <laughs> they're always. I think the thing though that that bothers me about it is that they're always changing things weirdly. Like it makes sense to put a show like Grimm to maybe still be able to build a little bit of audience, maybe a few more people watch it after uh, you know by moving it, but for like the last handful of episodes. It's like one of those weird things. It's like when it came back from sort of a hiatus or something like that, that's when they should have, uh, you know, moved it where there was a a longer stretch uh, to leave it. You know, like it should have moved it right when the voice came back type of thing Mm -hmm. if they were going to to move it. The thing that gets weird is all the moving that they do with stuff. Uh, Like if you were a Go On fan and you were watching it on Tuesday nights and then all of a sudden the last two episodes play on Thursday. Uh, yeah. You know, and I get that they want to try, you know, that it's likely that go on ends up on Thursdays, you know, uh, next year. But playing it after like a rerun of of The <laughs> Office doesn't make any sense to me. Like, 
you know, like if you're going to do it, at least play it on a, a night where everything's new uh, or, or some of the moves that they make is just uh, weird. I'm interested to see if it does pick up any audience uh, with with it moving after on onto uh, onto Tuesday nights since, you know, when Go On was there, it did much better after the after the voice than when the voice was gone. So there's still plenty of people that leave their TV on after they watch something and just watch whatever's next, I guess. And with that, we'll move on to the last show on our list, which is uh, Doctor Who, uh, Season 7, uh, actually uh, Episode 11, uh, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. So, Libya, what did you think of Journey to the Center of the TARDIS? I think this episode... Uh, as opposed to any other they've had since they've come back from break, it's probably the strongest um, because I've, I've wanted to see more of the TARDIS for a really long time. And I felt like this episode, you really got to, they went like everywhere. I was like, are they going to go to the library? They went to the library. I was like, all right, are they going to go? I want to see the swimming pool. They show you the swimming pool. It's like everything that I kind of wanted to see when I was thinking, I haven't seen the kitchen yet though. I want to see the kitchen. Um, so all the different places in the TARDIS that I've wanted to see, we got to see. The only thing that I thought was weird is in the library, he has a book hanging around with his name in it. Really? Like that just seemed uh. <laughs> like, terrible. I was like, are you kidding me? The biggest secret in the world is in a book. And it's like with a, with a big light on it in the center of the library that says open me. And, and apparently when you open it, you open it right to the specific page. <laughs> like, uh, like, and it's apparently it's right there in the middle of the book. It's like it's the like, doctor's name is because you only have to read it for ten seconds to figure it out. Because yeah. it, it clearly says like it's what was it the the history of the time war? And right. She opens it basically to the middle and maybe moves like one page, and all of a sudden she that's the perfect page that has his name on it. And it's supposed to be a big secret, like only. His- but then they do the timey wimey thing to uh, now go back a day. And they literally <laughs> press the reset button. Yeah. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> I actually it's thought- awesome in this episode, but it's terrible because they've done it so many times. I actually, I was watching it and going, "I'll give it to you for this episode because you, I feel like you've earned it this time because you laid the groundwork with your hand, but." You you did that you you he's done you know both Moffat and RTD have done that reset thing either while keeping memories or while conveniently having memories erased so many times over the course of the past seven series that it's it's become infuriating to me. <laughs> well, I can I could see that especially because I just felt it was ridiculous that she found out his name because as soon as she did that I was like obviously her memory is going to be deleted at this point. So I just, I was just like, that was silly. I feel like she shouldn't, they shouldn't even done that. Yeah, well, she doesn't just find out about his name, but she also finds out more about, like, that the doctor is, has come across her a couple times already and that she's died. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she gets, she gets all this information and then it gets reset. Right. Well, and, and specifically with the name, I mean, Moffat is the showrunner at this point, and he also wrote Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead, where we found out, you know my name. There's only one time I could ever tell you my name. Like, it was a really big deal that River knew his name. She shouldn't be able to thumb through a book for two pages. It shouldn't be in a book anywhere. Thank you. And if it is in a book, 
then it doesn't make so nobody in the TARDIS has ever gone. I think I'll hang out in the library. <laughs> oh, what is this giant book on display? I mean, come on. Yeah, because clearly, clearly the title is a, is something you would want to open. Right, and I also felt felt like it should have been in Gallifreyan. If his name yes. was it, it should have been in Gallifreyan, and she shouldn't have and been able to. And the TARDIS doesn't translate Gallifreyan. Exactly. So yeah. There was a lot of problems with that. But other than that, I yeah. did like the brothers. I liked uh, that storyline. I liked them just running around the TARDIS and seeing the different places of the TARDIS. That really made me happy. All right. I thought it, it, I thought it lived up to its title, and that <laughs> was going to be hard. You know, uh, I think that the TARDIS lived up to the TARDIS, and that did not happen in The Doctor's Wife, which as much as I love that episode, the, the interior quarters of the TARDIS did not look good in, in that episode, whereas I thought it everything looked great here. Um, I like seeing the swimming pool. I like seeing the observatory with the, uh, the giant you know, telescope that looked very reminiscent of the one we saw, or the diffractor, or whatever it is that we saw in um, with the... Uh, Tooth and Claw, yeah, Tenth Doctor and Rose. Um, and, yeah, I, it's one of those things where I really like this episode, but I was listening to Bigger on the Inside, which is the Doctor Who podcast that I highly recommend for those of you out there, um, the people at Earth 2 do it, uh, Earth 2.net. Um, and they're, they're, they're talking about the, they just finished talking about the fourth season, fourth series. Um, and so Donna, they're talking about Donna, and, and that's one of my favorite companions. And while, while listening to them talk about Donna earlier today, it just struck me how much... You know how much how frustrated I, I am with right now the companions because the reason I love Donna is that she is such an equal to the Doctor and when you look at Clara through no fault of her own she is completely um, subservient to the Doctor because he keeps lying to her and there's no reason for him to do it there's no justifiable excuse for him to do it you you can't even pretend that he cares about her. Because he's holding this information from her that he knows that she now he definitely knows that she wants to know and he should know that she deserves to know. So I can't like the doctor when he's treating people this way. And that's really become a problem for me. It, it feels sort of misogynistic. It feels, you know, there's some problems of, of agency with especially with women on the show kind of recently. And I don't know, I, while I really like this episode that reset at the end, it left me with a sour taste in my mouth. And I don't, I want to like the doctor. And right now I just can't. I don't know. I really like the, the previous episode and their chemistry there with all the high fives as they keep, they kept saving each other <laughs> from uh, different things. Uh, I don't know. There's almost been some of these episodes, the, I don't know. It, they almost feel out of order at some point, sometimes like, where things they are filmed it in a different order than we've seen it. And you can tell. Yeah, that you're watching it and it feels like there's information that's like like in this episode stuff gets reset, but in previous episodes you're like this conversation feels weird cuz based on the episode that I just watched, <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. it seems like they they're in a different spot than they are than they should be now. I, I don't know. It's 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 been a little it's been a little weird that way so far this season. Well, and Clara feels different than she did in the first two. Like by episode three, we have this notion of her being scared, um, and 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 con- sort of conquering fear. And we saw that in Cold War. We saw that in Hyde. 
but that wasn't there in Rings of Akaten. That wasn't there in in the the Bells of St. John. And so I feel like the, the characterization, I'm more interested in a companion who doesn't feel like a retread of River and Amy, who who does, you know, have that fear, but then she deals with it. Um, but that, ha- that hasn't been consistent throughout the season. So I don't know. I think you know, the peop- these are better writers than some of the characterizations they've been doing. I have to say, I do like Clara. I really like her. I think she's a much better companion than Amy ever was. Um, and I like her chemistry with the doctor. I agree that he's lying to her like crazy, and I don't like that. And it's all, you know, it's all going to come to a point where he has to tell her the truth. But, you know, rule number one, the doctor lies. So that doesn't really surprise me. I mean, that's part of who he is. And you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah, I guess. But when when she spends part of this episode saying, I am more terrified of you than anything else on this ship, and he gets to conveniently erase that so she's not scared of him anymore uh, and will just be his friend. That, I mean, maybe it's just because I was rewatching a bunch of Dollhouse recently, uh, but that that's icky. No, to you know, Dollhouse, that was creepy on here. But the thing is, the doctor is scary. He's always been scary. You, you are crazy not to be afraid of him. So I don't, I think that's valid. Um, at some yeah, but point, she's not afraid of him now because he erased her memory so she wouldn't be. Right. That's true. But uh, he is a scary person. That's true. Yeah. So. But I did really like this episode. I thought the interior was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I thought the Eye of Harmony looked great. I thought the, uh, the, like the tree thingy with the glass looked really yeah. cool. Yeah, that was great. And I like the fact that he kept saying that the TARDIS will defend itself and it won't let you leave with that. I was like, yes, you will. (laughs) (laughs) That was all. That was pretty good. I I love when the TARDIS feels like a person. When they actually, you know, I like when the doctor talks to the TARDIS. And I think it's it's actually what bothered me was Clara wouldn't talk to the TARDIS. I was like, why won't you talk to it? And she was like, well, you're crazy to talk to your ship. And... I th- and I like the fact that the TARDIS doesn't like her. I find that amusing and interesting, and I want to know why the TARDIS doesn't like her. Yeah, I feel like it's going to have to be some sort of fixed point thingy, because the TARDIS didn't like Jack either at first. Um, right. And that's the only other person we've seen the TARDIS not not like. But Well, the TARDIS has tolerated his other companions. It has liked River, and it has disliked Jack. So I think it just tolerates the other ones. But the fact that it doesn't want to tolerate her. It won't open the door for her and stuff like that. I think that's interesting. I've never seen, other than when the doctor locks the TARDIS, I've never seen the TARDIS just not open for another for a companion before. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, overall, still still an interesting uh, season. I, I really like the whole idea of there being like this mystery with the companion that the doctor doesn't have any idea about. I, I find that stuff compelling of where you know this season can can go i just wish he cared about her as a person <laughs> instead of the mystery <laughs> instead of just a an embodiment of a mystery and i feel like that's even moffat at this point I, you know i don't feel like anybody cares about her so much as what she represents as a puzzle to to be solved but so it goes i do like the actress a lot actually and i'm like i would i, I kind of want to get back to some element of souffle girl you know but uh, we'll see. I look forward to seeing what, what what's going on. All right. And uh, with that, that finishes up the primetime segment. And we'll move on to uh, – we've got a 
a few TV on DVD picks. Uh, these come out on Tuesday, May 7th. And I'll start it off with uh, my pick is Flashpoint uh, Season 5. Pick it because, one, I haven't seen it because once it stopped airing on uh, CBS and moved to ION, I never could quite get <laughs> when it was going to be on and when the new episodes played. Uh, and I ended up getting behind. And while you can pretty much, for the most part, you can just watch the episodes, there is a little bit more character development uh, with uh, these characters than your average, uh, you know, sort of procedural type of show. And uh, they did really they did really good with the action and stuff uh, with this show. Uh, I always, always really liked it. And, uh, you know, and then it stars Veronica Mars's dad, so... You can't you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> I was going to say I have to agree with you. I really love that show, Flashpoint. I watched it really quickly on like Netflix. I just flew through the show and then tried. I was like, so when is it on now? And it's like it's on Ion on some whatever. And yeah, but it's great. I like, it. yeah, because they they did the action well. They did the you know whatever hostage negotiation or fi- trying to find somebody or whatever it was that the you know it was what we would call a SWAT team down here in the States. Uh, it was, you know, up, it was actually not just a Canadian show, but actually set in Canada. You know, it was not just filmed in Toronto. It actually was set in Toronto, uh, which I actually liked as well, just because, uh, I mean that you can actually make a compelling show that takes place in another place besides, you know, some place in the United States. Uh, and it, it, it's still, uh, you know, a good to watch and just very high production value for a lot of Canadian series have uh, uh, end up with, I, I guess I can say is they feel Canadian uh, <laughs> when, you, when you watch them. And uh, Rookie Blue would be uh, one of those, I would say, uh, has more of that feel like of something that's on right now. But they also had, I always found it interesting that that you saw how the events of the day affected these characters. They weren't all just like these cowboys with their big guns and, and sniper rifles and stuff like that, getting into these situations and then going out for a celebratory beer after, you know, a good, a good day's work or something like that, that uh, some of the things that they had to do and, and things that they saw really affected them. And it showed how it affected these characters. And that element is what I think elevated it above you know, your average procedural. Yeah, I'd agree. I haven't seen it, so I will add it to my list of it's need on, to catch up on. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's it's really good, I think. Cool. And then also, you can't go wrong with Fringe, which uh, I think is on all of our lists, but uh, Kate, you can uh, you could talk a little bit about about that. Since I, yeah, since um, I put it down for you as your pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to talk about Felicity. So uh, All right. I can talk about French though. I, I was, I was going to talk about French. Okay, okay, so go ahead. We'll, 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 okay. Go, we'll have the, uh, the three Fs here. We'll have uh, Flashpoint, Felicity, and, and, and Fringe as, as the pick. So go ahead, Kate, with, uh, with your pick. Okay. Well, I'll t- I can talk about Felicity. Um, this is seasons uh, three and four are out for Felicity. This was the show that, of course, introduced many of us, myself included, to J.J. Abrams. And, uh, you know, if you like Harry Russell on The Americans and haven't seen Felicity, she gives a fantastic performance there as well. So 
you know, it's said it's about a, a young girl going off to college and self discovery, and there's lots of you know chick chick music. So maybe if, if there's not, if you look at the Venn diagram of Felicity and the Americans fans, it's not going to be 100. percent But I am one of those people in the middle. I very much like Felicity, and you know, it's it's one of those shows. I I can't talk about Felicity, especially that last season, without talking about the amazing uh, last like five episodes where they they got an extended five uh, last five episodes <laughs> with almost no notice. So they did this great job of arcing everything and tying everything in a nice bow. And then, oh, crap, do we undo everything for five episodes and then re-resolve it? Or do we Abrams it? Which at the time, we didn't know what that meant. But they, they had the main character of this completely just standard drama, time travel, back to an earlier part of her life and make a different decision. And then we followed that through. And then she time traveled back to her, you know, it, it, it's such a crazy thing. And, um, and the performances from everybody are, are fantastic. So I don't know. I, I, I very much enjoy, uh, enjoy Felicity and, and think it's, you know, maybe if, if you have an affinity for a more serious kind of Gilmore Girlsy thing and haven't checked out Felicity yet, this would be my pitch for it. But I also very much enjoy Fringe. So if you would like to talk about that. Felicity is also what uh, begot Alias. Is, well, of course. Uh, the yeah. idea of, well, what if... <laughs> what if it I don't know what we should do this season. What Maybe if it was a college student a and she was a spy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. So Fringe. Fringe. Season 5 uh, comes out on Blu-ray. And I would recommend Blu-ray over DVD because that show is gorgeous. And what's interesting, speaking of time travel, what I really liked about season five of Fringe is that we jump forward third, wait, it's like 20 years. Yeah, we jump forward 20 years in time. And uh, basically the observers have taken over the planet and have ter- are in the middle of terraforming it to suit their needs and humans are their slaves and you're going wait what so they completely changed the format of the show for season five which i think is incredible and instead of doing um episodes that are kind of standalone it's pretty much one big story for 13 episodes it's one big arc they're basically on a scavenger hunt to hunt down these different pieces that they need to put together to create this big super weapon to save the world and they have, since they're skipped forward 20 years in time, they've got their daughter there. And it's just like, it's heart-wrenching. It's emotional. It's a really good story. And I thought it ended really well. I, like, when you get to the end, it makes you want to start over and watch the beginning. So, at least it did for me. Well, I have to say, Fringe is one series that they did a really good job of reinventing themselves from season to season. Yes, yes. They never yeah. rested on... You know, there might be some change that takes place over the course of a season, but they never rested on what was taking place. And you would come back, and there was a whole new element that get that got added in uh, in the in the next season. Well, what I always enjoy is the fact that I was listening to one of the actors trying to explain what was happening. And it took him like 10 minutes because he had to explain the blue and the yellow and the <laughs> red universes and time travel and erased memories. And because someone asked him a question, he couldn't answer it until he had could explain all that. And then he's like, I know this. He's like, trust me, this makes sense when you watch it. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it, it's so great and it's so phenomenal that it, it's like it creates this whole 
internal or just a language for people who actually watched it. There's a real payoff uh, to it that is really satisfying. And by the way, you really should go back and watch season one because I remember when I watched season one, I thought it was okay. But when you see the whole picture, there are elements and crumbs of the whole picture all throughout season one. Like, I think the first Observer shows up in the second or third episode. And it's literally like Olivia is walking through a train and he happens to be standing there. He's only in frame for like five seconds. or I mean, not even five seconds. It's like a second. And that's it. That's the first time you see an Observer, there and gone. And I was just like, that's amazing. And it's just... Oh, it's just all the stuff, just that, that story, it's like they really thought about it. They really put it together well, and it's all about family. Like, that's it. That's the story. It's about this one family. We watched them from beginning to end. Yeah, and there was a lot of, definitely some growth of, of some of the actors and stuff like that over the course of it, but some really great performances as the season seasons went on. Like, awards-worthy performances from, oh, yeah. <laughs> from some oh, of the yeah. cast that... You know, but a yes. sci-fi from where a sci-fi show is never going to get any, you know, any awards love from like the you know the major, you know the major award circuit type things. Uh, but yeah, it's so so worth checking out if you never uh, got into Fringe because you do ultimately get uh, you know a story that closes out. It was so great to, that they got that last, uh, you know, that they kept getting more seasons to to play around in this continually changing world that they kept developing, but also that they got a final season, you know, for all the, the Fox haters out there, you know, <laughs> I give you fringe. Fox can't cancel everything. Situation. <laughs> yeah. It is a complete story and it is, and it's very satisfying when you get to the end, they did a really good job of, of making it feel like this is a good story. Top to bottom. Yeah, and I, I'm of the opinion that if a show goes into a third season, that networks should be obligated to give you <laughs> some sort of closure on any type of series that has any type of serialization to it. Uh, I, I agree with that. I can see that. Yes. Uh, before that, I understand, you know, ratings wise or whatever. But once you've continued to go past the second season, you know, and you're starting to get into 50 plus episodes. And then you just yank something or whatever, you know, you just uh, at the end of that season with no uh, where you don't give the people making the show any notice that you're, you know, that they should close things off or whatever. I think that that is just such a it only helps to continue to hurt television to do that, I think, uh, because ultimately, ultimately, these shows are starting to become with things like Netflix and stuff like that, that if you have even a shortened show, but if you have an ending to it, it becomes worth much more uh, in the world of streaming things and stuff like that than, you know, than just a, a series that doesn't go anywhere. That's also on the creators as well, though, because uh, leaving things up in the air doesn't help a network decide they should renew your show. That's, <laughs> that, that's not how it works. So if, if there's even, a, you, you can look at your ratings and have some idea. I mean, you know, something like Angel Season 5, uh, they, they were the second highest rated show in the demo the year that they got canceled, which doesn't really make any sense. But, it, you know, so sometimes it's a surprise. But 
a lot of the times it isn't. And if they yank, if they yank the show and don't air the episodes, that's one thing. But if you decide we're just gonna leave it on a cliffhanger and then they'll have to, re- that's not how it works. Yeah. So it's <laughs> also your fault, creators. I think that, that to that's true too. But I think there should be more communication earlier on because I think networks know much earlier on when they're when something's not going to come back uh, than than they tend to let on. And so sometimes I think creators and stuff like that, they end up just sort of hung out to dry where they want to, they're making a show where they're thinking about the future and that there's the possibility. And so they don't, uh, although I think you can do more of the, the semi wrap up type of thing where you, you give some sort of thing, but you leave it open where you can continue to tell stories uh, mm-hmm. in that network, I think makes more sense. But I, overall, whoever's at fault you know, and all those things, if you get into a third season, there's no reason that I shouldn't get closure because I've put in a lot of time into watching your show and uh, something that gets yanked early. I don't really have a problem with that. If nobody's watching it, I mean, I, I can't really be mad at a network for yanking uh, something after five episodes. If you know, nobody, if they can put a rerun of bones on and get a higher audience, you know, or a rerun of law and order mm-hmm. or SVU and, and get higher ratings, then I I don't have in a first season I don't have a problem with that. It's when something goes a, uh, you know, longer. Uh, but anyways, I think uh, that that'll do it for the podcast here. Uh, next week, uh, Amory is scheduled to be back, and our guest is uh, to be, is supposed to be uh, Robin Pearson from the TV Critic podcast. And uh, I'm actually interested. In, <laughs> I didn't realize totally. I don't know why I blanked out when I was setting up the schedule, but he's in England. <laughs> so it's going to be that's going to be an interesting uh, uh, one for when <laughs> what time of day it is for him. I think is uh, is it is an interesting interesting thing. So you can find the the links uh, to the news stories we talked about and the DVDs we talked about, as well as where you can find uh, the Televerse and TV Campfire podcasts uh, in the show notes at tvtimes three dot com slash one seventy eight. And you can always keep up to date with the new episodes and uh, on Facebook and Twitter at TV Times Three, and you can always find us on iTunes and Stitcher as well. And with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is "TV Party" by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title, put out by Yellow Dog Records. And thank you both again uh, for uh, uh, joining me on the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you for listening to me talk way too long about the originals. <laughs> uh, that's all right. We went, this episode went a little longer than uh, than normal, but you know we're making up for not having an episode last week. So this is this is a little extra for our listeners. <laughs> We've gone a little bit longer. We sit glued to the TV set all night and every night. Why go into the outside world at all? Nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of...